This is The Good Life in Early Life, a production by Nebraska Extension. I'm your host, Emily Manning, an early childhood extension educator located in Seward County. In this episode, we are exploring how the glamorization of motherhood in social media impacts new mothers, how the idealization of motherhood has changed over time, and ways to counteract the negative impact of social media for new moms. The guest of this episode has her bachelor's and master's degree in communication from Wichita State University and has also earned a PhD in journalism with an emphasis on strategic communication from the University of Missouri. She joined UNL in 2021 and is an assistant professor of advertising and public relations at the College of Journalism and Mass Communications. Her most recent research has been focused on how to increase enrollment of minority populations in clinical trials and what we will talk about on this episode, the influence of Instagram posts on the mental health and well-being of new mothers. Welcome to the show, Dr. Sierra Kirkpatrick. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. I'm very excited to have you as well. I'm very excited about your research. I was going total nerd mode when I read your research article. Um, But before we dive into your research, I want to hear about you and um, tell me a story from your childhood. Yeah. Okay, let's do this. So it's so hard to pick just one. And this story involves my brother too, but I feel like, you know, siblings are a big part of our lives too. And it's a funny story. So when I was about probably eight or nine years old I was just like running through the house probably chasing my brother honestly and we had hardwood floors at the time and there must have been like a blanket or a piece of clothing or something on the floor and I slipped on it and I fell and hit my tailbone really hard which of course was not funny Um, it actually hurt a ton and I was crying but my brother ran and grabbed our home phone he was probably only like five or six at the time and immediately called 911 and when they answered told them help my sister fell and broke her butt and then he hung up. <laughs> and the police like ended up calling our house, like checking to make sure nothing was wrong. And my mom had to answer and she had no idea what had happened and had to apologize. Tell them everything was fine and explain that like she had been teaching us like when something happens and you need help and it's an emergency, you call 911. So my brother had listened at least and was putting the skill to use. But yes, not quite a situation we needed. I love that. That's so funny. I can't imagine the operator hearing that and they're like, what? (laughs) They broke their butt? (laughs) Um, I think the the humor of the situation helps me recover faster. (laughs) Yes. Did you break your tailbone? No, I didn't. It was just like bruised. Yeah. That's still really painful because then you can't really lay or sit comfortably. I know they make those like donut pillows to help. Luckily, I was young and recovered fast. Yeah, that's good. Yes. All right, let's get into talking about your research. In your research, you talked about this theory termed social comparison, and it was pretty important for kind of organizing your work and your results. So will you tell us about this theory and how it informs your your work? Yeah, absolutely. So social comparison theory is a theory that emerged in the 1950s from a social psychologist named Leon Festinger. And basically, it explains that we as humans just have this natural tendency to compare ourselves to each other. And we do this because it's a way for us to evaluate ourselves. So we evaluate ourselves in terms of our abilities, what we're able to do, and the opinions that we have. And when we compare our abilities and opinions to those of other people, that helps us to see kind of where we stand and if we're measuring up to who we want to be or who we think we should be. And so these comparisons are really important and they can have positive and negative effects. So it kind of depends on, you know, the result of the comparison and comparisons can be directional. So an upward comparison is when we compare ourselves 
ourselves to someone who we perceive to be superior to us. They're better to us and we aspire to be like them in most cases. And then with a downward comparison, it's the opposite. So that's when we make a comparison to someone who we perceive to be below us. So in that case, we would perceive ourselves as better than them on whatever quality it is that we're comparing. And so with social comparisons, kind of the important thing to keep in mind is that we have all these different people we can compare to, but we tend to compare ourselves to people who are similar to us. And so for me, for example, I'm a fairly new mother, I'm a working mom. And so it would make more sense for me to compare myself to someone who has those similar characteristics. Whereas comparing to someone who is a stay at home mom, or maybe has a bunch of children, um, they might not be as good of a comparison target to me because our situations are so different. When I was reading about this theory and um, about the social comparison theory, I just like immediately thought of when I was a kid in school and we were working on like a project. I think it was like string art and everybody's right by each other and you're like, am I doing this right? And so then you look to your left and you're like, oh, they use like glitter thread. I should use that. That's amazing. And then you look to your right and they're like, oh, at least mine doesn't look like that. Exactly. You know, and just kind of like checking in on the others around you who are doing something similar to make sure that you're doing it right. Right. And then you can get ideas from somebody who's doing it better and you're like, I can do that and take it into your, into what you're doing. Example. And yeah, so those social comparisons we make can make us feel really good about ourselves. Like maybe there's someone we really want to aspire to be like. And if we compare to them and like feel like we are similar to them, that can make us feel really good and optimistic about who we are and who we can be. Whereas if we compare to someone we want to be like and realize like, oh no, like I'm not living up to the same level as them. That's where it can be harmful and kind of lead us to have these feelings of envy or anxiety and worry about what we're going to do to try to get to be to that level. Yeah. Yes. That makes total sense. How does social media play into all of this? Oh man. Well, social media, it's, it's everywhere, right? It's literally like in the palm of our hands every single day because of mobile technology. And so with social media, it's there all the time. It also allows for such easy, you know, dissemination of different portrayals of things. So like with motherhood, there's just so much motherhood content out there because it's so easy for everyone to share their experiences, to take pictures of what they're doing and post about their experiences and everyone can do it. So it's something that's just so accessible but then it's also problematic in that it's just a highlight reel usually you know people post about the happy moments and the things that they want to brag about whereas not everything is shown we don't get the full picture so the focus of what people choose to post and then also the technology that allows us to you know edit our photos add filters make it look better than it really is that all plays into this social comparison process because we end up comparing ourselves to things that aren't entirely realistic which can be harmful yeah so how has the volume of idealized images of motherhood how has that changed over time with the advent of social media firstly it's important to recognize that this like idealization of motherhood in the media isn't a new thing so there's a really great book called the mommy myth and that i read as part of my research and in that book the authors do an amazing job of kind of giving a history of the idealization of motherhood in the media and they talk about how this idea of idealized portrayals and women comparing themselves to the portrayals dates back you know long before social media so in the 1970s and 80s motherhood was glamorous in the form of magazines and specifically celebrity mom profiles. So in the 70s and 80s magazines, we saw celebrities posting about their motherhood experiences in a very glamorized way. So 
headlines like my life is complete now that I have a baby and you know just making it seem like you weren't a woman unless you had a child and once you had a child everything was better everything was perfect you loved your child as much as you possibly could nothing else mattered you succeeded at everything related to being a parent and so mothers were comparing themselves to those portrayals just as we do now but the difference is that you know social media as we've kind of touched on just adds to the issue because there's such an abundance of portrayals and one thing I like to think about and point out is that you know in the 70s and 80s yeah you might read a magazine when you're standing in line at the grocery store in your leisure time that you have but social media is something that we constantly have accessible to us and so in the middle of the night when I'm you know feeding my child in the dark in the nursery I'm not going to be reading a magazine but I am going to have my phone out and probably be scrolling on social media and you know that can also occur in a very isolating time you know you're by yourself but you're seeing all these portrayals and you're comparing yourself to them in that instance. So these idealizations of motherhood in the media have been around a long time, but social media has led to there being so much more and it being more accessible. And it's not just the celebrities now who are posting these portrayals. It's literally anyone being able to post this content. Yeah. So it's just there all the time. Anyone can be a celebrity now. And I also think of like, I think a lot of us know that we aren't going to be celebrities and it's easier for us to not make a direct comparison to these celebrities because we know they have all these resources to help them look really beautiful and put together. But when it's someone who's seems more like every day, then it's like, oh, well, they're doing this so well, but why can't I? I guess if that makes sense. And you also have the the kind of like in between everyday person and celebrity with the influencer. So a lot of people perceive influencers as kind of like a celebrity type, but also a lot of people perceive influencers as like a friend and someone that they can actually go and interact with. You know, I can comment on their posts and they might comment back. And so there's an interesting dynamic and relationship there too. They're not, you know, so different from us as celebrities. We have some things in common with them. But um, I think one of the biggest takeaways from the research that I did and maybe the most surprising result was that in my study, when I was looking at the effects of idealized and non-idealized images of motherhood coming from both social media influencers and everyday users, um, non-influencer mothers. And it didn't matter whether the idealized portrayals were coming from the influencers or the everyday mothers. As long as it was an idealized post, it was having negative effects. Those idealized portrayals from both source types were increasing envy and anxiety and ultimately having harmful effects. So that just goes to show that, you know, anyone who posts these idealized portrayals of motherhood on social media can have harmful effects because we compare to them. And that kind of goes back to what I mentioned before with, you know, us comparing to people who are similar to us. So in my study, mothers compared themselves more to the people who weren't influencers than the ones who were influencers likely because they perceived themselves to be more similar to them. So they're a better comparison target because we have more in common with them than we do the influencers. That was the finding that was the most surprising to me as well, because I thought it was going to be the like source. I thought the celebrities and the influencers would cause more of those like negative mental health effects, but it really doesn't matter. It kind of matters the type. Um, do you want to describe what an idealized post would look like versus a non-idealized post? Yeah. So we kind of have a kind of a basis for that. Yeah. So in the study, half of the posts came from an influencer and half from a non-influencer and then half were idealized and half were 
non-idealized. And so those posts that qualified as idealized were ones that only focused on positives related to parenting. So it was a lot of just picture perfect portrayals. So the house wasn't a mess. You didn't see messy kids or upset kids. The mother and the child were very happy and well put together. Often the mother had, you know, her hair and makeup done and they were maybe even in matching outfits, her and her child. Whereas the non-idealized portrayals in the study did mention difficulties, hardships, negative aspects of parenting. So in some cases, it may have shown like a child who was upset or sick or not meeting the milestones they should have been meeting or the parent was struggling and opening up about, you know, how tired they were, stressed they were. And so basically the big difference there was these picture perfect portrayals that didn't mention hardships versus ones that did talk about the difficulties associated with parenting. And all of these portrayals that were used in the study were taken from real moms that had been posted on Instagram. So that was really important to me to test the effects of images that are actually actually out there and being seen by mothers and having these effects. Rather than something that was recreated in a lab that you can't always capture what happens out in the real jungle of social media, I guess you could call it. So you specifically focus on new mothers and you mentioned that you are a new mother yourself. Um, Is that what made this topic of interest to you or what was kind of your, what lighted that interest for you? I mean, my personal tie to the subject is definitely what kind of prompted the idea to study this. You know, um, I also became a parent at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. My son was born in May of 2020. And so it was a very hard time to become a parent. And I think that added to the difficulties that I had. But yeah, I just... I went into motherhood thinking that I was pretty well prepared. I had, you know, read the books, read the research, listened to podcasts, talked to other moms, and I was very quickly um, knocked down and realized, okay, like, no matter how much preparation you do, like, you have no idea just how hard this is going to be and what it's actually going to be like and how much you're going to, you know, just suck at some aspects of it. And so, you know, I think for me, stepping into that role of being a parent for the first time was just so difficult and made me realize like wow like this is such a hard transition and I'm noticing that the social media usage and all the people I follow is not helping the situation it's just making it more difficult and so you know it started as like a personal interest and thing that was affecting me but then also the research you know that I read in order to be able to carry out this study talked about how that transition to motherhood is one of the hardest transitions anyone can go through and you you know you're stepping into an entirely different role you're also affected in so many ways you know mentally emotionally physically especially if you know you're giving birth yourself if you're you know being affected economically that can have really strong effects so I mean every aspect of your life is kind of being turned upside down you're possibly you know leaving your job for good or you're taking a break from your job and you might be losing friends along the way and so there's just so many things that put us in a vulnerable state as a parent that then leads to these comparisons having even more of an effect you're already in this vulnerable state with all of these big life changes that cause stress on their own. So that just puts you kind of like in a heightened stress state and can make you more vulnerable to those things. Um, So what did you specifically find? Let's like highlight those results from your research. So what did you find in your research about new mothers and social media? So first of all, the big takeaway um, was looking at how much the mothers were comparing to these posts. So in looking at that, it was found that 
that the mothers in the study, the new mothers, which were defined as mothers with a child under the age of three, compared more to the mothers who were like them. So they compared more to the portrayals that came from everyday mothers rather than the portrayals from the social media influencers. They also actually compared themselves more to the non-idealized portrayals of motherhood too than the idealized portrayals, which was kind of surprising. But it goes back to that idea that we compare to things that are similar to us. So we compare to those non-idealized portrayals because they're more realistic, they're more relatable, and we perceive our experiences to be more similar to them, which goes back to social comparison theory. But then, even though the mothers in the study compared more to the non-idealized portrayals of motherhood, it didn't matter that the idealized portrayals were being compared to less. Those idealized portrayals were still able to have harmful effects, even though we weren't comparing ourselves as much to them. So the idealized portrayals of motherhood in the study increased envy and anxiety among the new mothers in the study. So kind of the big takeaways are that idealized portrayals of motherhood lead to increased levels of envy and anxiety. And it doesn't matter whether those portrayals are coming from social media influencers or everyday users. As long as it's idealized, it can have those negative effects. Yeah, that was my takeaway, too, is like we really from the results is like we perceive ourselves to be more similar to others when they open up and share their struggles more often than when they share their highlights, because I think it just shows them more as a real human, because that's just what human life is like. We don't have just this highlight reel all the time. I wish we could have a Hallmark movie kind of life. And I think if you know, if there's social media influencers out there, they can ha- really have a takeaway from this research and be like, oh, maybe I need to show like some of the struggles more. Um, but I think they kind of already do that. They're pretty savvy and kind of pick yeah, up on that stuff. Really great influencers out there who do like post about the hardships. And it's so refreshing to see and just helps you to remember like, OK, like they're going through some crappy times, too. Right. Yeah, it makes them a lot more relatable. So I'm a total nerd. And I was like talking about this to my husband and like my friends because I just am a nerd and love this. And um, he was kind of wondering if the amount of time spent on social media mattered with these harmful effects. Yeah, so that was something that I kind of tried to investigate. Um, I measure that a couple different ways, like asking how much time they spend on social media. I had like a measure that measured um, what's called Instagram intensity. So like Ooh. Yeah, sounds fancy, right? Yeah. So, um, it basically is a measure of like how important Instagram and social media are to your life, like how sad you would be if it was removed from your life, how much you rely on it. And so I did look at that and there weren't like super strong differences that appeared, which, you know, maybe it's something to look into a little bit more. But I think kind of the key takeaway was that it didn't really matter like if people were people who are on social media a lot or not like there were still these effects kind of just for everyone there wasn't a big difference there but you know that was just within the scope of me exposing these participants to these specific portrayals so they were all being fed the same amount of social media in the study Whereas, you know, in real life, like if you do spend more time on social media, then you are going to be exposed to more opportunities for comparison. So I think in the real world, you know, there is probably an effect there. It just wasn't captured in the way the study was designed. That makes sense. 
yeah, could be interesting to explore in the future if you sure. want to do that. I'm not going to dictate your <laughs> research agenda. <laughs> um, but let's talk about uh, some of the ways that social media influencers and those everyday users go about crafting these idealized images of motherhood. What do you wish people would know about the creation of these posts? Yeah, I mean, I think the most important thing is just being able to recognize that it's not the full picture that's being shown. It's the highlights. And so this can look a lot of different ways. You know, some people go and put makeup on, even though they're going to be home all day because there's a chance they're going to take a picture for social media. You know, other people will go to take a picture of their child, but they'll push all the clutter out of the way first so that their house looks clean um, before they snap the picture because they want to put off this image that their house is clean and it's not a mess. And, you know, when I first became a mother and was taking lots of photos of my child, I noticed that I was being tempted to do the same things. I was, you know, zooming in to like cut out the dirty diaper that's in the background or I would try to make sure my kid's face was clean before taking a picture of him and I realized you know I'm just kind of adding to the problem and I'm doing this because I feel pressure to because I feel pressure to put off these idealized depictions but it even goes further than you know trying to have clean kids in a clean house um in reading you know about social media influencers for the study I actually read about how some social media influencers will literally get an Airbnb just to do their photo shoots in so that it looks like they live in a cooler place than they actually live in or that they're having these experiences that they portray as just everyday normal things for them. But in reality, like it's fake. And so like we need to, you know, just realize like that this is happening and that what we see isn't always what it looks like. And, you know, I think we can help people remember that by having a little more realism in what we post, you know, not always striving for the perfectly curated posts out there, you know, show some of the difficulties. Don't worry about the house looking like a mess in the background because people are going to be able to relate to it more. Yeah, that makes sense. I am so surprised by the Airbnb. I did not know that that was going on, but that sounds so nice though. Like so easy just to like go and run out of place that's already clean, already organized, already probably like had a designer design all of the interior design. So it looks amazing. Those influencers, you know, they do have resources that we don't. Some of them are making a ton of money from this influencing career. And so we also have to keep that in mind. Like they have the means to be able to have the best clothes the best vacations, the best cars. And, you know, we need to keep that in mind too, that, you know, some people have different opportunities and resources that not everybody has. And that plays into it too. Yeah, that like goes into a thought that I had while I was reading the research. And I was just thinking of like social media influencers are just so savvy, like I said before. And I think they're really good about hiding their wealth and resources because they do. They have people sending them clothes to advertise. They are sending them all these products and they probably are making quite a bit of money um, and they have a flexible schedule so they can style their hair. They can put on makeup because they have an hour in their day to do so. And I think that's just a lot more hidden than with celebrities because celebrities we know they have a styling team we know that they probably have a stylist that picked out their outfit and I think we just are a lot more aware of that with celebrities and with social media influencers so I just I just wish people would know those things like those tricks and things that they're doing because I think it's a lot more hidden on social media yeah you touched on yeah so many of the important aspects there I mean they probably even in a lot of cases have someone who's there helping out with their kid you know they they I didn't even think 
of that. Of course. Yep. You know, a nanny in the other room or someone that, you know, watches their kid at night so they actually get to sleep and look well rested. That's a good point as well. I didn't even think about like the outside help that they could um, be hiring to help do those jobs. We're going to stop right here, listeners, for this episode, but we will continue our interview with Dr. Kirkpatrick in our next episode. Some things we're going to cover include navigating social media for new moms, when to post and when not to post, and how to find a supportive community online, to name a few. So stay tuned for more on this topic. This has been an episode of The Good Life and Early Life, a Nebraska Extension Early Childhood production with your host, Emily Manning. For more information on early childhood, check out our website at child.unl.edu. If you like the show, subscribe and tell your friends to listen. The show production team is Emily Manning, Dr. Holly Hatton, Ingrid Lindahl, Aaron Campbell, Linda Reddish, Kim Welsant, and Katie Krause. See you next time and thanks for listening.